All right, good afternoon, or most likely good morning for you. Good Thursday. That's how we could start it out. We've been doing that most of the week, starting with the weekdays. That way it does not matter when you listen to the podcast. But I hope you're enjoying your Thursday. It's game day. We have a game coming on tonight. Big one with the Cow- uh, Cowboys. Big one with the Raiders versus the Chargers. Some There is some fantasy aspect in there. We have uh, Josh Jacobs, one of the bigger names coming in, especially for the Raiders side. We'll see if Darren Waller can pick it up after he's had two games in a row that have been uh, Carr has not looked his way. And trust me, I watched the last Raider game. I had the in-laws over, and we watched it. And you could see there's times where Waller's open and Carr's just taking other options, a lot of the underneath stuff. But the Raiders are winning, and that's the most important thing. So that'll be a big game. Who else is on the Raiders? Terrell Williams. Um, I don't know if Matt will play him. Uh, let's see, any other Raider players that could be out there? That might be pushed in. I can't think of any Chargers. You got Austin Eckler, which I will not be playing. Uh, you have Keenan Allen, probably the top Charger player played, and he, he's he was he's been on fire the first few weeks, uh, almost the first month, and since then, oh my goodness, he's still getting the targets. So when you get that much volume and that much targets, you can't all of a sudden just. Forget a guy, treat him like he's nothing, and you got to play him, you know. So Elijah, Elijah will play him. You have to continue to play him, but he'll be in. Uh, Melvin Gordon for Christian finally had a big game. I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator or if it was just one of those games where maybe it's a breakout game. Maybe Gordon will get back to this. The we'll have to wait and see. This is a good chance if he comes back again and uh, rallies with another twenty-plus point game. That'll be even better news for Christian, who made a big trade. And he's trying to get his team back on track, as he already has five straight wins. But Gordon will be in the lineup tomorrow night. Who else? Oh, Hunter Henry for Jacob. He will be playing tomorrow night. I don't know if anyone has Phillip Rivers, if he's a free agent or if someone picked him up. I can't remember if Elijah has him or if someone has him. But those are the big names we'll be looking for tomorrow night on the Thursday night game. I'll be looking for a Raider victory. We'll see what happens. Who knows what to expect. The Chargers, honestly, I have no clue what to expect with the Chargers. This season, they, they've been so up and down. Raiders, even in their losses, they've been pretty competitive other than maybe the end of that second half of that Green Bay game. So with that in said, as, like I said, Thursday night football tonight, we had a couple things I was going to go over. I will go over, I was going to say the matchups. Do I want to do the matchups or do I want to talk about, um, I think I'll end with the matchups. So I'll talk about how I mentioned today um, a couple trades were possibly in the works and they didn't fall through because sometimes people will ask and I'm just going to clear this up uh, if you're wondering most people should know this but if you have a guy in a one-year deal like I traded Robert Woods to Steve um, he had a one-year deal that means you will take on that guy's contract for that season and uh, you inherit the contract but at the end of the year the one year does not mean you get him one more season after I would think that you you know that's kind of obvious because we kept him from the season before. So last year I had Robert Woods, no contracts on him. The end of the season I put a one-year contract on him. That means the season you're entering is the one year that you get him. So if you have one year on him, it does not mean you get one year after that. I mean, I, I, I think that goes without saying. But So if the, anyone has a one-year deal on him, he will not be available for you to extend the following season and... If it has two years, 
let's say you make an attempt to trade for someone with two years, what you do, such as Steve, he made a trade with me for George Kittle. Kittle has two years. Therefore, next season, Steve will still have him for one year. And in the meantime, he is only going to be charged for one year. Right now, he's being charged for two because he, Kittle has two years on him. But the year you that you trade for a guy, if he has multiple years left, the one you got him since you did not have him entering the season, unless you get him entering the season, that falls off on your 10 total contracts. So hypothetically, let's say Steve had 10 open contracts and he traded for Kittle and now he has eight because it's using two for Kittle. At the end of the season, one would fall off. So he would really only be holding Kittle for one year because he's going to enter the season with him. So I've explained that before. I went over that just real quick. That wasn't the main point. I just wanted people to know also on our Facebook page, some of them, such as mine, I need to update it, but on mine I have Kittles and Woods on my team. They are not there. They are on Steve's team. But the point is if you look at a guy, all those guys, are whether they're traded or not, are under contract still with the exception of Antonio Brown. Now some of them could be cut. Here's an example of someone where let's say I made a trade and you you somehow got him from me. Let's see if I can find the team. Tenacious D's. He had DJ Moore and Carlos Hyde, both entering the season on one-year deals. Now, league rules are if a guy enters the season, whether you cut him or not, he has to, if he has a contract on him, when the contract expires, no matter what part takes, he has to be able, he has to enter the draft the following season. So I picked up DJ Moore, and I feel, you know, he's got a few good matchups. He's a solid play for emergencies in the flex. But if I traded DJ Moore to Eric, I, let's just say none of this is true, but let's just say I trade DJ Moore to Eric. Eric can now, even though he has no contracts on him now because Jacob cut him. Once Jacob cut him, he still has the contract inherited, but the player now is has none on him. But the fact that he entered the season with the contract, he must enter the draft again because, yes, it's true we all had a chance to get him, but ty- hypothetically, no, we did not because I used my waiver wire on him. I was number, I think, seven or eight, and I used it on him. Well, what about all the people that were behind me? Everyone in front had a chance, and then maybe people behind me had no clue. They didn't look it up. Maybe, you know, it was only a two-day process. Maybe they didn't realize DJ Moore was cut. You know, what if Beckham got cut? Now Beckham's a top player, but hypothetically, Brian cuts Beckham. No one's looking at the thing because it's not waiver wire Wednesday, and they don't realize it, or only a couple people do. And then I put a bid for him, and now I can't say, oh, well, he's got no more contracts because they're still with Brian. He dropped the player. The contracts belong to the owner. So now I can keep Beckham next year and on a new contract. No, you cannot. Uh, I can't keep D, uh, DJ Moore this year. If he goes on and finish the season with four straight incredible games and just lights it up and is a real big factor for me, at the end of the season, even though right now I picked him up as a free agent off the waiver wire, I cannot keep him. If I trade him, the person that trades for him cannot keep him because he entered the season under a contract. So same with Antonio Brown. I saw Matt, you picked him up. That's fine. You can pick him up if maybe he signs a team and you use him. But he was, even though he was cut from retirement, he still had a contract entering the season. So he ha- he has to be redrafted. So if you forget, well, I'll always say, hey, go back to the podcast. I'll always explain this. I'll always text this out. If you ever have any questions, you can always text me and ask me. I will gladly answer the questions. Um, but and if you ever wonder, if you ask someone, hey. Is this, guy, is this guy have a contract? And if they say yes, just go to our Facebook page and look at all the teams or text me and I can let you know because I do tend to keep an eye on who has contracts and who doesn't. 
So before we get to the matchups, which are pretty intense this coming week, let's look at some players that are coming up. I did mention in our uh, yesterday in our podcast that we would cover some of the players. So if you're listening, who are on one-year deals, these are guys who are, will be free agents next season who are going to be possibly first-round picks. And the first one we're going to cover is a very top receiver. We just mentioned him. Did I mention him? Yeah, I did for tomorrow night's game, the Chargers. Keenan Allen is on a one-year deal for Elijah. Therefore, he will be a free agent next year. So he is a possible, We, I think as a, a, a league, we're probably, no matter what, he's going to be a first-round pick. But if Keenan Allen continues to struggle, and not that he is, it's if Phillip Rivers can't get him the ball and his target is are, is, are inaccurate, you might say, hmm, maybe he's at the end of the first round next year. But he is a free agent. He is, most situations, a wide receiver one, a top 12 receiver. So he and he's still in his prime. He's he's this is not a guy like T.O., you know, traveling to uh, Buffalo or going towards the end of his career where, you know, the Bengals and it's just not not working. This is something where Keenan Allen can still play, still move. And is an elite receiver, he is one that will be available next year. So that's that's someone you want to look forward to. If you have any first round pick and you don't plan on trading any, if you do trade, just realize you want to get someone you know, you know, I I don't think we'll see too many first round picks traded unless it's for a guy that has at least two years because you don't want to give up a first round unless you are like like Jacob. If he came up and said, you know what, man, oh this guy really, if I can just get this running back, you know, I know it's a one year deal, but I can, if I get him and I put that elite guy in my flex spot, it's over. You know, you feel like you you got it, then yeah, you would do that. But if that's the only scenario I see a first round pick going for a guy that you cannot keep the following season. Uh, let's go to right here. Here's a very, very juicy piece next season um, for running back wise. That's something that is pretty scarce. You saw this year's draft. We saw Josh Jacobs go number one. You saw Derrick Henry go in the first round. I'm trying to think who else um, of other running backs. Uh, Damian Williams, who was supposed to do really well. He's had a few good games for the Chiefs, but not lived up to first round potential, even in our league where it's, you know, a first round is not as much value as normal drafts with the contracts. But Leonard Fournette on a one-year deal, if you look at Fournette's stats throughout the year, I believe every game has been double digits. He started out the first three games with like 10, 12, 14. He was gradually climbing, and then he had like four straight games of 20 or more. 20 or more. So Fournette – and then he's come back down the last game, but Fournette is still uh, one of the backs who he will definitely be – probably if the draft started tomorrow, I would think he would be a top three pick. You know, with the one player, one year player guys, he would, I think he would be in there, especially when it comes to running backs. You know, you right now you would look at it because remember, a lot of our teams already have guys under contract with the exception of maybe Dino Dan because all of his are one year deals. But you would go, hey, I already got a good running back. I already got a good um, receiver. I can get Keenan Allen or Leonard Fournette. You know, Leonard Fournette this year is a top six. He didn't start that way. And at times he's not as sexy as some of the other guys because he's not he can he can catch the ball when they want to use him in that style, but he is not too much of a receiving back. He's probably better in standard league than some of these receiving backs are than in a PPR league. But in our league, he is elite. He's a top ten easily. Uh, I think he would be taken over Keenan Allen unless you had two all star running backs and you needed to get some receiver help. But Leonard Fournette, he's a big one, will be available next season. Now, I'm going to save the bet. To me, the best for last. I'm going to save that one. There's one who's 
as of now, as of now, unless there's a running back coming out of college that just blows us up. But even Ezekiel Elliott, when he came out, we knew the hype. We knew the offensive line the Cowboys had. I think he was drafted like sixth or seventh by Christian. Maybe even second round. He might have even gone like 12th. Or no, not 12th. Um, he might have gotten like 14th to Christian. Because I remember when the draft happened, he didn't, Zeke was not, he might have not been a first round pick in our league. I can't remember, but I remember Christian taking him. So, um, no one on that team. Sorry to disappoint, guys. Uh, Baker Mayfield will not be available next year. <laughs> uh, what's another really good player who's coming out? All right, here's a couple of them. Now, when I mean a couple, one of them might be the tail end. of the, He'd probably be a second-round pick if the draft happened today. We have to wait. Now, remember, some of these guys, we don't know what team they'll be on. Are things, situations going to stay the same? But Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman because it's PPR, he has had some games where his uh, receiving skills have helped him to a top, you know, top ten finish for the week. He he can easily be an RB, uh, a mid to high RB two. He gets a lot of receptions. I like Freeman coming into the season. I really liked him without Tevin Coleman being there, but it just never panned out. It never came to that. Um, but I think Freeman's really good. I think Freeman is someone who um, is better than a lot of the other guys out there. But he'll be available. Like I said, I'm, I still want to see what happens with the rest of uh, the Falcons and what they do. Do they end up bringing another running back? Does Freeman – I don't know what his contract status is. Is he going to go to a new team as a free agent? But he's one you would probably see gone in the first two rounds next season. Chris Carson, he is a top running back. We've seen what he's doing in Seattle in a run-heavy team. But even when they're passing, Carson is heavily involved. He's catching way more passes than a lot of uh, teams had expected. A lot of fantasy experts had expected. But Chris Carson, he will be a free agent. That, I think, would be a top six pick um, based on draft need. But in that offense, and he's still, you know, to think he was a seventh-round pick. I remember I had him last year. I had him. He was a uh, – I didn't draft him. I picked him up, I think, right before the season started because I saw some hype on him. And just like the Steelers, I always have a, a, a soft spot where I like a Steeler running back or a, a Seahawk running back if it's the starter or heavily involved, you know, even if, they, if it splits time. Because they're both, you know, when you think of their teams, you think of the running game, and you know the running back there is going to get a lot of touches. And so I had Carson, and then he ended up, uh, I believe, breaking his shin week three or four last year, breaking his leg and was out for the rest of the year, and I, or most of the year, and I remember thinking, that that's it. He's going to be done. He's not going to get it back this season. It's going to be Rashard Penny. And I can't remember if Carson came back the second half of the year but, yeah, he came into the season. You know, Jose kept him wisely, even on a one-year deal at least, uh, and it's working out for Jose. You know, he's a top – he's an RB1. I think he's a top 12 back, and he is one of the reasons Jose has five wins. So Carson and Freeman are two solid running backs. I like Carson more. A couple other – another running back who will be available next year is Mark Ingram. He's on a one-year deal right now, and he will be a free, a free agent going into the draft next season. I don't know his contract status. If he's there for two years with the Ravens, was it four years? Uh, I expect he's he's had a really good year. Not great. He's had a couple really insanely good games that have kind of balanced out his season to make him look a little better on average per game. But there have been a few games where he disappeared and they didn't really have him involved that much. So uh, I still like him. He would be a running back that I, I would not be shocked if got drafted uh, like 11 or 12 in the first round. You know, depends on where Fournette goes, Carson, Freeman, depends where the other running backs go uh, and what people need. But 
if Ingram was available, if I had the 11th pick in the first round and Keenan Allen was gone and some of the you know other receivers that maybe weren't under contract are gone, I would easily take Ingram, knowing that in that offense with him and Lamar Jackson, you will get a handful of games if you can play him in your flex spot uh, that he's going to get some get some serious points. So he's available. Jarvis Landry, there's another wide receiver who really came into the season. I think it was wise for Brian to put a one-year deal on him. You don't want to put too much on him because if you you don't know what to expect there. We saw him do well in Cleveland, but he wasn't every game. There were some games he would have single-digit points, and he hardly ever did that in Miami. They don't use him like they do in, in, in Cleveland like they do in Miami. Excuse me. But he did have a, a good game. I don't know if he's had multiple good games. I'd have to check his stats. But he has had several um, respectable games and one really good game uh, this season. He's someone that you could see probably second to third round pick, depending how he finishes out the season. You know, the Browns schedule gets much easier. I'd be interested to see where he finishes at the end of the year. Does he go on a big run? And that's the lasting memory everyone has entering next season. They go, oh, man, remember Landry? Yeah, you know, remember last year, Derrick Henry was – pretty much crap the like 90% of the season then the last like three weeks of the regular season he had two huge games for Nick and it was just like monster games where he had a 50 point game and then like a 30 something point game and that's that that was an impression that stuck you know I remember thinking that oh man I didn't have my first pick was number 13 I was thinking you know what if Henry's there I might take him he had you know this will be the year he gets and he is he is an RB1 right now I think he's 12th overall in our league he had a big game this last week uh, and I think that could be the same thing for Landry. If Landry finishes strong, people will remember that coming into next year's draft, and he could be a late first-round pick if he picks it up late in the season with the schedule. Let's see. What's anyone else? Oh, here we got defensive players, Luke Keekley. If you're looking for one of the top elite linebackers, I don't think he'll be a first-round pick, but uh, the way Darius Leonard, I think Austin might have been a second-round pick, maybe possibly third. Defensive players are going to go sooner, the elite ones, because the keeper league, a first-round pick is almost like a fourth or fifth-round pick. So to get someone like – so to get Keekly even in the late first round is just like maybe getting him in the fourth or fifth round. We've done that before. So I would not be shocked if we had something like that go down. He'll be available D.D. Westbrook, he was on a one-year deal. He will be available. We'll see if if that picks up because Westbrook we saw um, not – he had a few good games, but he also had Minshew. We'll see what he does. Westbrook, will he be Foles' favorite target now that Foles is coming back? And is that going to be the same situation with Jarvis Landry? Are we going to enter next season going, oh, remember him and Foles? Yeah, they really picked it up that last month. And he could be a, you know a, maybe a second-round pick. But he's a receiver that'll be a free agent. Kenny Galladay, he's one of the top receivers. I like him. Uh, some of the other ones we covered, Keenan Allen. Galladay is someone I would consider drafting in the first six next year if I had a top six. I would consider drafting Galladay, Matthew Stafford's favorite offensive weapon. He he has a few games once in a while where he disappears, but the target share is always there. But I would definitely, definitely put him in top six to five draft next year. I think Galladay's really solid. Um, so those are some of the guys from there. Quarterbacks, Brady will be a free agent. He's one of the few. There'll be a bunch of quarterbacks. You might, you won't see Aaron Rodgers. You won't see Patrick Mahomes. Um, odds are you're probably not going to see Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. There is a possibility I keep both. Maybe one. I keep them both on one-year deals or maybe one of them for two-year deal. Uh, I can't decide because Jackson, that's the tough part. Jackson is better, 
You know, right now he's QB three in our league and he's ranked every week. He's ranked one or two in fantasy on top, you know, rated players to play for that position. Um, and it, it's just so hard because when you got your, one of your favorite players to watch, Kyler Murray, who I think is only going to get better. Now he's got tough matchups. He did really well against the Niners last game because that one big lucky play. But I don't know. I don't know. So I got a whole offseason to decide. You know, I got another month to see how they do towards the end of the season. But yeah, there there'll be plenty of other quarterbacks so to pick up. But Brady will be one who will be available. We got Calvin Ridley, Sony Michelle, and Calvin Ridley will both be be uh, free agents next season. Sony Michelle, I don't know what to expect. Or he needs to pick it up, or he won't be a top first or second round pick. You know, James White will be the guy people are looking at. You might see Rex Burkhead again. Will they bring in another running back? It's kind of disappointing to see Michelle have such a good rookie season and really not do much this year. I don't know if it's the offensive line. Excuse me. Or what. But Calvin Ridley, uh, especially with Sanu gone, we'll see how he does towards the end. I would consider him a, a, a first two round, probably maybe a second round pick to late second round pick next season. It's going to be his third year. That's where some receivers really take off. Look at Chris Godwin. This is his third year. And he last year was supposed to be his breakout year. He had a, one or two breakout games with Fitzpatrick, and then he kind of struggled. Uh, Bruce Arians came in this year saying, this is it for this guy. He's so good in the slot. Look for him to get 100 catches. He's on pace for 100 catches. I think he's at 50-something 50, 50 later in the uh, first eight games. So, yeah, he's on pace for 100 catches. So I would expect similar things with Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think with Matt Ryan, with that offense, obviously going to probably get a new coaching staff, but still, it's the offense is just too good. With Julio Jones drawing the, the coverage and Sanu gone, I expect Calvin Ridley in his third year to really have a breakout season. He could be someone that might be a second-round pick, and if someone's willing to take a chance and take a gamble and think, man, like my first pick was Chris Godwin, 13th overall. So that was, you know, almost a first round pick. It was one away from a first round pick because I read all the hype and I thought that, you know, this would be it. And he's done that. He's right now, he's a third, the, the third ranked receiver points per game in our league. It's been worth it. And I think Ridley could be that next season. He's got a one-year deal. Amari Cooper, probably the number one right receiver right there up there with Kenny Galladay and Keenan Allen. I think Cooper's the best out of the three. Mm, Gall- Galladay, maybe. Galladay and Cooper, perhaps. But Cooper, he is so deceptively fast. You don't see it. I mean, that touchdown he had where he just catches it, he had such stride. He glides across the field, finds the angle and scores. Uh, if anyone remembers that game against the Eagles last year, three touchdowns, ate them alive. The game um, last Thanksgiving against the Redskins, another, you know, he has these games where he comes out for 45 or 50 points. He's done that several times this season. I think he had a 40 plus point game. He had a 30 point, a couple 20 points. I love Amari Cooper. You know, uh, I just, I had so many contracts invested in other guys. I just said, you know what, I'll put a one-year deal on him just to see if what happened last year would continue. But it looks like it had, it looks like it's even better than last year. So I think Cooper, I think Cooper, depending on, uh, any the draft what players come out I really think that Cooper Keenan Allen might fall behind him if I had a choice I would take Amari Cooper one and then maybe Galladay uh one one B right behind him if you're really a fan of the Lions uh or if something changes in the line maybe if the Lions get a really elite running back or improve their offensive line you might go oh man Galladay he's gonna he's gonna it's gonna open up for him because they can't just try to uh take away him with all the other weapons around but um 
yeah, I do like Cooper. I think Cooper would be a top three pick if the draft happened today. And now the number one player who is a free agent next season, drum roll, Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. Last season, ACL recovery, you know, recovering from the ACL tear, he was not very good for me. Uh, I tra- I would do the trade all over again. I traded him late in the season at the trade deadline for Andrew Luck and traded him to Jacob. Jacob used him, and you saw later in the season how good Cook was. And Jacob, wisely though, Jacob didn't want to go pull a, oh, I'm going to keep him three seasons. And then all of a sudden, uh, maybe the end of the second half of the season, it was just one of those runs. And now Dalvin Cook goes back to being inconsistent or injury prone. He hasn't been hurt. He hasn't been inconsistent. He's been really good. He, I think he's number two right behind Christian McCaffrey for fantasy running backs this year. So great pickup. Um, great move last year for Jacob for the trade. And now he's got an elite running back. He's got probably the best combination with Kamara and Cook. So Cook will be available next season. He would be right now, I think, if the draft happened, Cook is one. I would say Cook one. If you want a running back, maybe Fournette two. Maybe Amari Cooper three. But those those are it, man. Those those are some really top players right there. Keenan Allen. It, let me just run through them. Keenan Allen's on there. Leonard Fournette. Dalvin Cook. Carlos Hyde will be available, but he's had some. It depends where he goes. If he stays with the Texans, what the Texans decide to do. But Carlos Hyde will be available. Who else is on? The, who are the players we mentioned? Chris Carson, Devonta Freeman, Jarvis Landry, Melvin Ingram, Kenny Galladay, D.D. Westbrook, Luke Keekley, Tom Brady, Sony Michelle, Calvin Ridley, and Amari Cooper. So that covers all the players who will be available next season. And so if you got a first round pick and you think, you know what, oh man, I I don't know if I'm going to make the playoffs. That means you have a possible lottery chance. And if you're a good enough team to where you think you almost made the playoffs and you miss it, don't pull the ripcord because if you can win that um, NIT, remember NIT, Jose got it last year and won the NIT, got those five extra balls and he got the second overall pick. You know, so it, it does matter in last next year, it will really matter if you can get the second overall pick. I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh if I don't win the championship that I get even though I only get one ball, I would love to get top three pick next year. Go grab Amari Cooper back, maybe look to get Dalvin Cook, uh Le- Leonard Fournette. You know if you get a top let's see, going over the guys, top six next year will be a top six pick next year, I think will be worth more than the second overall pick this year. Like the sixth pick next season, at worst you're going to get Keenan Allen, Kenny Galladay, Leonard Fournette. I would rather have had any of those than Julian Edelman. Edelman's not bad, but that Patriots offense, they have so many uh, weapons where you don't know who's going to be the main guy that week that I would rather have had any of those guys. And I think that, like I said, the fifth pick might even be Josh Jacobs I want. I Of all those guys, though, I would take Dalvin Cook over him. So can you imagine Josh Jacobs or Dalvin Cook? Jacobs has been really well and is a rookie and is only going to get better. But you've got to think, oh, Dalvin Cook easily. So next year's draft will be even more important. And I'm not even going to get into two years draft from now because I told you before, that is the ultimate. That is where people are going to try to stockpile or they're going to try to do whatever they can to get uh, multiple first-round picks because those guys will be entered, they'll be free agents, and you can – Back up the uh, contract truck to those guys. So I've already spent over 20 minutes, 27 minutes talking about that. A little long than I thought. 
Let's get to the matchups. All right. So I'm only covering three. I'll mention them. So in case you're listening to the podcast and you don't care about these, actually, you know what? I'm not going to mention it. I want you to listen because uh, I put some work into these. This is important. This is no- more than normal. We're going to get to the first game, and that is Austin versus Christian. And th- this has got to come down to being rivalry week. If I don't cover your games, there's one game on the, the docket that to me is hard to really th- make a rivalry out of it. But this is definitely rivalry week. This is better than probably division week. This is better than any week we've had all season. I mentioned one being the most important game. Uh, you'll know when you hear it. The excitement in my voice will start to show it. Um, but let's get on to it. First up, we mentioned Austin versus Christian. You have 6-3 and three Austin coming off a tough loss against 5-4 and four Christian. Austin's getting a lot of his players back from last week. If it started right now, Austin is favored by 29.9 points. So basically 30 points. ESPN is projecting it a 158 to 128 victory. Christian has outscored his projection at least the last three weeks. He did get a 120 something and you know a couple low wins early in his winning streak, but his last three have been top of the line victories for him. Let's look right now. Why would this be such a big rivalry as I go to it? Oh man, this goes way back. These two guys are both former champions. Christian won UC1 and Austin won UC7. So they both have bragging rights. They both got a title. They both tasted that trophy, and they know what it's about. Um, and they're old friends. You know, I don't know if some of you guys know this, but these guys are old buddies back from. I mean, these guys went to grade school together. Now there's is a slight age difference, but uh, we get, got so many stories together. When you got an old friend from all the way back to grade school to win a victory, you know, to to get some bragging rights is very important. But what you don't know is that these guys used to have heated, heated four-square battles. Oh, man, you would see the tempers flare up. Christian, he hated if Austin got him out in four-square. And he, he would almost want to just like – one time I thought he was going to punch Austin. And then Austin, if he got out, he started throwing temper tantrums. And uh, <laughs> uh, I might be embellishing a little bit on the four-square battles. But we did play four-square. I worked there with them, so it was good times. But uh, that was a little bit of fun. Um I don't think Austin would ever get Christian out in Foursquare, just because, like I said, Austin was probably in kindergarten at the time when Christian was like fourth grade or so. But uh, that, yeah, we go back there. You know, we we all come back from the same old place. They went to the same school, so there's. It's always cool when you get something like that. I was really excited when Austin joined our league, and uh, it's good to see him whenever he visits. Same with Christian, but. Last season, this is why it's really a rivalry. Nothing to do with Calvary Days. That's just cool. That was just a little backstory that Austin's been friends with him and me since he's been in kindergarten. Uh, And I've known Christian since he was about three years old. So anyways, they're not playing me, so forget me. Uh, Last season, remember, we I've talked about this multiple times, but in our division, we had Christian, myself, and Austin. And to start the season, I was two and four. I was not doing too well. Uh, It looked like it was Christian and Austin who were the first place teams. And the higher scoring teams, Tyreek Hill was just lighting up the league. He had DeAndre Hopkins, Austin, Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, and Patrick Mahomes, thanks to me, the idiot I did. I, I jumped the gun and traded Deshaun Watson. Uh, and mm, the whole thing is, though, I've already mentioned this before in the past. If I had not traded Patrick Mahomes that week to Austin uh, and he had played well the first two or three weeks, I probably would have traded him to someone anyways. I would have thought maybe it wouldn't last 
or I would much rather have the way my team was. I had no receivers. I would have been like, I'd rather have a receiver. I can go stream a quarterback or get a decent guy than to keep hold on to uh, Patrick Mahomes. But I didn't know he would become that incredible weapon that he is. Anyways, they were the two, two of the better teams and Christian won the first game early in the season. So he had the heads up. But as the season went on and we were coming down to the final stretch and Christian had eight wins with two games left, he just had to beat uh, myself or Austin. And he, he lost to both. I remember losing to me. It was kind of tough, but it was thinking, okay, it was just a bad week because Christian had just won several games in a row, bad week. But then he took on Austin and the division was on the line. If Christian wins and I lose, or if Christian wins, he wins the division and then me and Austin have to go heads up in the first round. If Austin wins and I lose, Austin wins the division and me and Christian have to go up first round. But if I win and Austin wins, I win the division and I get the and get the bye week and the loser had to face the other one. So it was it was hectic and we were three like I said, three of the top four scoring teams in the league, Jacob being number or Brian being number 1. So it was pretty intense and that last game of the season Austin beat Christian and that was a big one. The tough thing was that I won the division. I went on to win as well. So Austin's like, oh, great. He beat Christian. He got in the playoffs. But either way, he was going to have to play either Christian. He was either going to get the bye week or play Christian in the first round. So he won, but he didn't get the second half. So that sucked. I remember that that sucked for him because I would be in the same boat. I would be like, oh, man, you did what you had to do and you needed someone else to lose and it didn't happen. So now he had to face Christian again. So Christian's got to be looking at it like, dude, you just, you know, cost me division title. I done so well all year. My team gets a, hits a bump. You know, Melvin Gordon got injured. That was the main thing that Christian had. Uh, his only weakness was secure, and he looked like he was on his way to his second title. And the injury happened, and he got derailed. And then they met up in the playoffs, and Austin beat him there. And Austin's team was continuing to be on fire, and Christian's team just similar to some of the other teams in the playoffs, just the wrong time to tank, the wrong time to fall apart and the, the chains come off the train. So it was tough. It was tough. And so that to me is is a reason right there for Christian to really want to win. Austin's got to know that right now Christian's on a five-game winning streak, the longest in the league at this present time, the longest active winning streak. And if he wins, he is now ties Austin. Christian can actually try to win this division. He will basically knock Austin off contention because uh, Austin, I believe, right now is uh, two games back. If he loses this, he'll be three back with three to go. He would have to run a clean sweep, which is possible, but he'd have to run a clean sweep and hope Jacob loses his last three. That I don't know if possible. I don't see Jacob losing to Jose, yes. Jose's team has been good. Elijah, Maybe David Johnson's back, but I just haven't, you know, if Keenan Allen gets on track, and it is possible. So in fantasy, we've seen that. We've seen people score, you know, 200 points and next week score 10. Just kidding, not 10, but it's an exaggeration. But uh, so that's why Austin's got to be nervous. He knows this is a, almost a game where if he wants to win this division, he's got to win this. And he could take out the team. It's been one of the longest winning streaks in the league. And Christian's going, hey, man, this is it. This is my payback. This is my opportunity to beat Austin, get a little revenge, get a little smack talk. Um, they do see each other sometimes whenever everyone gets together in my house. They have come over together for football. So this is a really big game for both of them. I would say – I can't even say who's it bigger for because both are, would be in the same – if Christian loses, he's 5-5. Five and, five, and he's still looking good to try to win the um, 
at least a wild card spot. But he wants that division. He could taste it. He made a good move to get a new tight end. So let's now that we embellished and then I actually told you the real reason why it's a rivalry and it's a really good game. Really, I'm really excited to see if Christian can get revenge for last season or if Austin can continue his dominance, winning three straight over Christian. And that's something else that hadn't been done very much. I'd have to go back to the history, but I can't remember how often has a guy beat someone two games in a row. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe when we had the original six, just a six-team league, you might see that in a playoff. We never had two games in a row against the same guy, but you'd play him and then the next week in the playoff. I don't know. That's, you know, that's even – that's hard here. The only – I don't think you don't – yeah, you don't really play anyone two times in a row unless it was in the playoffs. So I don't think that's happened too often. So that's one thing. That's another bragging right Austin has. Hey, I beat someone two times in a row. That's not not been done too much. Jose has a chance to do that, but I'll get to that in a second. And you'll see what I mean. Um, let's get over the matchups. What is – let's break it down with quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, from everything I hear, he's going to be back. He's got a tough matchup, though, against the Titans. But Patrick Mahomes is basically matchup proof. So I don't think that he he's scared uh, starting Mahomes. Matt Ryan, he's supposed to be back from his injury. Right now, they're both basically going to – they're projected to get 28 each. I would say if one got more than the other, I, my money would be on Maho- on um, I'm sorry, Matt Ryan because he's at home against. Oh, wait, who's he playing this week? They're playing the Saints, yeah, but they're in Atlanta. I know the Saints' defense is good, but they're in Atlanta, and I think he he usually has shootouts with the the Saints. All the games I've ever seen with Matt Ryan against the Saints, he usually always breaks for thirty. Uh, I can see Mahomes with a twenty-five to twenty-eight point game against the Titans, but remember, it would be his first game back, and the Titans' defense uh, is pretty respectable at home, and and there there is shouldn't be much of a running game. Right now, I'm going to say it's even. It's a push right there. I'm going to speed this up. I'm taking too long. Running backs, Melvin Gordon. He's getting 12 points per game. He did come off his best game with 24. We'll see. Like I said, if he can get another 20 point game. That would be huge because Christian McCaffrey is averaging 33 points per game. And he's the number one running back in fantasy in our league. And Christian McCaffrey's got a really good matchup coming up this week uh, against the Niners. I know the Niners. Oh, no, not the Niners. Um, dang it. Who are they playing? Carolina is playing, I think, Green Bay. I think the Packers. And the Packers are not great at stopping the run. Melvin Gord just had his best game of the season against the Packers. Several running backs. Jordan Howard had a really good, his best game of the season. Three touchdowns against the Packers. So I expect Christian McCaffrey to do that just as well. Um, so he, he's going to need Melvin Gordon to get him a 20-point game to try to contend with that because the quarterbacks are going to be pretty much even. Wide receivers. So I'm going to give the edge to, uh, I'm not going to cover every player like I sometimes do I want to speed this up I'm going to just do maybe the top guy for each position you get to the wide receivers you got Cooper Cup he's third in the league he was on a bye last week one of the reasons Austin lost he is back now and he is third overall in our league rankings 24 points per game for Cooper Cup huge for Austin to have him back as he does have T.Y. Hilton injured he lucky for him he at least has Golden Tate to pop in there Christian though has Tyreek Hill now he's only getting 17 points per game but that is a couple of them without Mahomes, and also he, his ranking is is offbeat because obviously he missed some time with injury. So I'm not going to waste my time telling you that. 17 points per game, that's going to climb. I think that's going to climb. That's that's shadowed by the first game where he only played like a quarter before he got hurt, and then that counts as a game. And then also two games with Matt Moore. Wait for uh, 
Patrick Mahomes and the, the Tyree Kill show to come back. How cool was that? If anyone saw that highlight, if you hadn't, go look it up. When Damian Williams had that incredible touchdown run, like 90-plus yards, and Tyree Kill is running, running him down, leaving the defense. He's passing the defenders on the way to going, and he's not getting in the way to block him. He easily could have, but I think he knew it was gone. But he outruns everyone and then starts tapping Damian Williams as they run in the end zone. It reminded me of, uh, who was that? Was that Oz Hakeem and uh, um, Torrey Holt when they did that? Um, or maybe it was Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. I thought it was Oz Hakeem. I loved Oz Hakeem with the Rams when they were in St. Louis. But when they were doing that on that Monday night game against the Broncos and one was taken off, leaving everyone in the dust, and the other one ran, they ran side-by-side, side, sprinting to the end zone. That was pretty funny. That's what it reminded me of. Only Tyree Kill's just lightning speed to catch up to him. That was so good. But I expect more of that once Mahomes is back. I think Hill could easily break 25 points. He's going to have to with uh, the way Austin's team is playing. Here's one that I really think is in favor of Christian, and that is the tight end. Greg Olson, I don't know what to expect. Uh, he has not been, he's had two really solid games, one of them against Arizona. So that's kind of a gimme. Uh, and Austin Hooper, he just got, Christian just got Hooper. Hooper is number one tight end in fantasy at 18 points per game. If Olsen goes out there and gets a four point game and you get 18 to 20 from Hooper, Hooper's even had a 30 point game. That could be the one thing that sways Christian's team to help him try to make up the difference because I think their quarterbacks are even I think you're gonna it's gonna depend on what Gordon does on Monday night he's got or Thursday night he's got to at least break 20 because Tyree Kill can keep up with Cooper Cup there are been games where Cup kind of um, does not get involved against the Steelers will they rely on the run will Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds get involved more there is potential to where I think Mahomes relies on Hill more for the big play than Cup does with Goff even though Goff targets him incredibly way too much. But that'll be it. The tight end can be a position that helps him. And defensive player, um, I'm going to go with Darius Leonard. I'm sorry. He gets 20 points per game. The injury kind of lowers his ranking, but points per game-wise, he's one of the best. So looking at all the positions, it's Austin in favor of the defense, Austin in favor of the receiver, Austin in favor of the running back. Christian is in favor of the tight end, and then they're a push at quarterback. So he's really got to make a big swing on that tight end, and we'll see what everyone else gets. But I think this is going to be a really good game. I'm excited to see both. Uh, and you got they're both second-place teams fighting for that division. They're both only two games out. This should be good. This is one of those ones where I'm going to be monitoring, just like when we saw Dino, Dan, and Eric going back and forth. Will they both break 200? I don't think so, but I, I can easily see both breaking 180 easily both i don't think this is going to be a week where they've they each have so many superstars it'd be so hard to, to see them not break 160 to 180 it's got to be a game like that like a high scoring game so that is it with that matchup let's get to the next one this is eric versus nick and when you hear that you go they, they why would they have a rivalry eric and nick don't have a rivalry well let's talk about what they have in common first eric's three and six and nick is two and seven Eric needs to win to, to continue to stay pace for the division. He's the only game out from the division. He still has a shot at the wild card. Seven and six. Can he, if he wins out, he's getting the wild card most likely because he's in the top six in scoring. If he doesn't win out, he's going to have to hope that everyone ahead of him continues to lose and he's got a chance for that division. But he's still in it. Nick is almost done. He's not going to win the division. Um, the fact that my team already has seven wins means I cannot get seven losses. So he is officially eliminated from division play. He'd have to get wild card, and there's just a lot of teams that have to fall. So Nick is maybe 
looking at draft picks next year. You're looking at the draft lotto balls. Um, I haven't heard any noise about Nick making any trades. He doesn't make too many unless it involves uh, top picks. So we'll see goes on there. Eric right now is favored by 43 points, but that is because Nick has not set every position. Sometimes he waits till Saturday, um, so it's tough to tell what is the exact time um, he will make a push to change his roster. But as it stands, yeah, Eric's favored, 133 to 89. Now, Nick has several big guys on a bye week as well, which is hurting, but he might have A.J. Green coming back. Thielen is injured as well. We'll see what happens there. Both of them, now here's something they have in common. Both of them are coaching. Nick's doing high school. Eric's, and he's been doing high school for several years. Nick is uh, improving each year. He's uh, getting higher in when it comes to management, um, even schools. He's even getting higher go, going to Los Al. That's a great school to coach at. So I'm proud of Nick. Uh, he's, he's doing so well in coaching, and I love the fact that he knows what he's doing and he loves doing it. He's doing great with kids. He's doing great with coaching. And so that's one thing uh, that uh, is really good with Nick. So he knows – he actually knows the ins and out. He knows – like when I would watch a game with him, I'd be like, well, what's going on there? And Nick could say, oh, well, they're playing this zone and this is why that guy's not there in the set. Those are things that I don't know much about. You know, I might know, oh, they're in a zone and the guy's got to be there. And, uh, you know, well, why is there a hole there? Why isn't that covered by someone else? Well, that's the whole thing is the receiver is looking for the holes because every zone has a hole. And Nick can sprout it, spot it uh, pretty well. And then when you get to Eric's side, he's coaching. He's been involved coaching with his son, um, tackle football and flag football, but he's doing tackle. He was an assistant coach, uh, coordinator for several several seasons, and now he's the head coach. He's the big cheese, and that's a lot of responsibility. You know, this is not this is not uh, a bunch of four year olds. These kids are 10, 11. These are bigger kids. This is when they're starting to get up there, uh, know how to make plays, know how to make hits. He's got to call the plays. He's got to help come up with plays. He's got some coordinators underneath him. And he's coaching uh, these young kids. I'm proud of Eric. You know, it's it's that's tough to fit in because he's got such a busy work schedule. I know he's cut it back some, um, thank God, because it was so hard to fit everything in. But he's doing great coaching uh, his son's team. And so he knows all the X and O's. He knows football. He knows the real part about it, watching it. So they're both uh, coaches. So that's something they have in common. That is not a reason to be a rivalry. Both respect each other. I've seen them talk. You know, they they get along great. Um, but there's one reason that this is personal. There's one reason. And if you know them both, you know what it is. They won't talk about it, but you know that they're both, they're both representing giant amount of people. And it all comes back to school. Eric went to Cypress high and Nick went to Kennedy high. And we know that is, that is the Browns and Bengals. Only these guys are actually better. Um, but that is crossed near each other rivals you know that is their big school they go against kennedy and cyprus we've seen dino dan talk about it sometimes with him talking trash on schools um so eric's representing cyprus nick is representing kennedy the winner gets bragging rights to say hey you might be a good coach you might do this and that but guess what cyprus is represented in our fantasy league kennedy can eat trash or nick can win and say hey it's all about kennedy maybe you'll change your team name to Kennedy, Kennedy rules, Cypress rules. I don't know, whatever it is. But they're both representing their their high school. They got a bunch of people. Anyone that is going in our fantasy league that might have went to one of those schools, Matt Rotherham, he did. He might be cheering for his brother. Well, he is anyways because he's in Eric's division. Um, but this is just 
This is not more. This is not just about Eric saving his season. This is about personal blood, uh, sweat, and tears going all the way back to high school. So that is the only way I can dig up something that make the game uh, something personal with those two is trying to figure out what it is, and that's the best I can come up with. And I, I thought it wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, that is it with their game. Eric and Nick. Yeah, you got this is a game Eric's got to win. You know, last week was not a must win. It's getting to this point. Even though you have a chance to still win that division with three left, this is almost one you don't want to look back and go, man, I lost the playoffs or I lost the division because of that game. You lost a tough one to Elijah. Now, the good news was you didn't lose, like I said, when we covered the game, you didn't lose to Elijah because he scored 110 and you scored 100. Elijah, I think, broke 150 to 160. Your team wasn't near that. So that's not a game you can beat yourself up at. Your team just didn't perform like they should have. Uh, so this is a big one where you got to think Eric's players come out. He has a lot of good guys with good matchups. Let's look at it before I almost left the game. I did, forgot to go all about player matchups. Aaron Rodgers has a really good matchup against Carolina. Stafford has a, a tough matchup versus the Bears. Stafford's been on fire. He's been a great pickup for Nick the last few weeks. He's been one of the lone bright spots for Nick. And... Right now, if I had to choose one, I would say Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to do – I think he's uh, the better play this week. Um, we'll see. I thought it was a good game last week against the Chargers. But the Char- the Packers did nothing against L.A. So advantage there for is definitely for Eric, but just slightly, just slightly. Running backs, this one's tough. Coleman – I really thought was going to do great last week against Arizona. He had an awesome game two weeks before against Carolina, and he didn't do anything against Arizona. That was a disappointing. Cohen, I don't know what to expect with the Bears, whether or not he's going to do it. Um, I, I like both his running backs. I just don't know what they'll do. They're unpredictable. While Damian Williams, he had a great game. He had that uh, over 100 yards, but he had like a 92-yard touchdown run, and the next like 10 carries he had 35 yards. So it was that one big play is what saved his day. Can he do that again? Who knows? And then Drake. Is Nick going to play Kenyon Drake? Uh, he's, his other running back's out of bye, so he might play Drake. Can Drake equal what he did last week, or was that just a one-week? Remember, even if you play Drake, David Johnson keeps talking about how he guarantees he's going to play this week. So I don't know what Nick's going to do when it comes to running backs. Got to like, I think it's a push, but I would rather have Eric's running backs coming in this week. Wide receivers, Thielen, I don't know what to do. He's He's hurt. ESPN's projected him not to play. He's got zero when it comes to projected points. Sanders has a plus-plus matchup. He'll do really well. He did really well last week for Nick. While Eric has Allen Robinson, who disappeared. I don't expect that again. I think Allen Robinson will be back. Excuse me. Having a really big game. He's got a nice game against the Detroit Lions. And Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't know. Even when he's got a great matchup, it's, it's all quarterback dependent. I know we say sometimes... Well, are all wide receivers? Yeah, but still, at least they get attempts. Juju, he just, it's not him. It's the, I don't know if they just, the quarterback's scared to throw his way. And now is Juju going to be covered by Ramsey? You know, is Jalen Ramsey going to be covering him? Which is definitely going to keep the quarterback away from him. So I don't know what to expect with Juju. If he'll go out in a shootout game with the Rams and he'll be heavily involved. You got to play him though. He's, he's a, you know, he's an elite wide receiver he's got too much talent we've seen him two weeks before uh or not last week yeah two weeks ago have a really big game his breakout game of the season so 
If Thielen played, I would say Nick because Sanders is doing really well in San Francisco. And with Thielen playing, I would definitely say Nick. But without him, uh, I like Juju and Allen Robinson, even though Juju can have a tough matchup. I still like them more, but not by much. Similar to the running backs, I still like Eric's running backs more. Tight end, this is a push. You got Doyle and you got Hawkinson. I think both can go out and get double-digit points or both can go out and get four to five points. Not much to talk about there. Flex, I love the fact that he got Jones. Remember, I did talk about in yesterday's podcast. I personally thought Eric would get him. I didn't think Nick would. Um, I thought Nick was just like, you know what, he's going to – at this point in the season, I don't think Nick's going to use his waiver wire on a guy who's going to get some solid carries. He's, I think, going to use it – I'm just guessing. I think he would use it on someone who's like, let's say there's an injury and someone goes and breaks out, and you're like, that's it. That guy is going to be the top running back the rest of this year or has major potential for next season. That's what you would use at this point where Nick is because he's not he's not going to make the playoffs most likely. So he's got to be thinking, hey, if I can find a guy that – tears it up and comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden is a starter, maybe for the whatever team, and then he gets him next year, that's what you would use him. Now he can put him under contract and use his waiver wire on it because he's thinking of that. So I I didn't think he would, but I did think Eric, especially being a USC guy, might go after Ronald Jones uh, the second. He needed a, another running back, and that's in this flex play. I would say Le'Veon Bell because even though Bell's not getting great carries with that O-line, he's getting a lot of catches but Bell's possibly hurt. I don't know what to expect with him. And the matchup is just so good for Ronald Jones going against Arizona. But so was last week with Coleman, and Coleman didn't do anything. The Bucks, though, um, will probably pass all over him, which will open it up for Ronald Jones. If they do get a lead, I look for Jones to have a, a, a another big game like he did last week. And then you get to the defense. Littleton and Bush, I think that's a push. Uh, both of them. Um, really good linebackers. I expect you. I would not be shocked. They're going heads up two against each other. I would not be shocked if both of them came out with thirty or both came out with fifteen. I think they're both in that range. I like both of them. But Eric does have the advantage in this game. This is one Eric needs to win, not because it's also going to save a season, but his team is better than Knicks at this point, and he needs to come out with victory. Those are the games you got to win to make those playoff pushes or possibly win that division. And now we get to the last game. Let me check the time on our oh 53. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I have so much stuff on this last game and I can't fit it in. It's 54 minutes. I, I cannot cram all this in. Sorry, Dino Dan. I was gonna talk about your game with Jose. I'm gonna have to lead with that game tomorrow. I will lead with your game, Dino Dan. I'm sorry, I know you listen. You might have been hoping your it was going to be you, but I have almost a whole page about stuff on here about you and Jose and how you guys were good buds and why it would become a rivalry. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's all this isn't fun. Don't anyone take it and go, Oh man, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was mad at him for that. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, I'll get to you guys tomorrow. I'm very sorry, Dino Dan, if you listen to this and you waited to the end and you were thinking, where's mine, where's my team? Cause you're my number, you're my number one customer. Remember you're my number one customer. That's Turbo Man. Uh, it's late, so it's not going to sound like the full Arnold. But if anyone's seen uh, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's why I was saying it today in our group text, I know. Um, but, yeah, I was definitely going to do your game because I think that's going to be a fun one between you and Jose. I really am excited to watch that. There's so many games when I looked at the schedule, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. So I will get to the one game then that does not have really any – I could not come up with any rivalry out of it or anything – um, make I couldn't make anything up. I, could, I was just like, eh, I can't come with anything with this one. And that was with uh, 
where is it now? Oh, Steve versus Elijah. You know, first of all, Elijah hasn't even adjusted his roster yet, so it's hard to really make a, a, a fair assessment. But Steve is favored right now, 131 to 104. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. But yeah, uh, Steve and Elijah, they're, they've, whenever they talk, they're friends. And they don't, they, it's not like they've known each other. They didn't go to a rival schools. They didn't have anything. Yeah, it's like Elijah's the only person I could think on this list for Elijah to play that would have been some kind of rivalry. Let's see. Nope, not Brian, not Steve. Maybe me, but I mean, what? Well, you know what I'm saying? Elijah doesn't really have a rivalry. Maybe Christian. I could say Christian because they're old friends. Now, when John was on here, don't get me started. I could have, that would have been a rivalry. John against Elijah. You guys don't even know the crap that they would put each other through at times. Um, yeah, the, man, I could, I can fill an hour podcast and all the stuff they did to each other. And John would be, come back with some of the dumbest comments, threaten him with his 12 gauge shotgun. Elijah would just be like, dude, I can pound you in two seconds. And he, he did not like John got on his nerves sometime. So that's a rivalry right there. A real one. Um, but yeah, Steve against Elijah, and eh, I'll cover the game still, but it's not much of a rivalry one. I don't have time. The time's all out. Um, I went so long on, on covering the players that will be available next season. So Steve, I don't even know if Steve listens. I know Elijah doesn't, so I probably won't cut. Unless Steve texts tomorrow, I will not cover Steve and Elijah's game because Elijah's not even roster set, and Steve uh, will most likely win that one. Unless when Elijah sets his roster, he could. I mean, he won last week, and, and I think the winner of that has a chance. Steve has a chance still to win the division. Elijah has a chance to maybe get a wild card if he wins out and hopes a couple people lose. So that is it for today's show. Uh, have your roster set if you have anybody playing tonight. I hope you guys enjoy the Thursday night game. I hope I just get off work on time so I can watch the Thursday night game. Uh, the in-laws are coming again. He's Remember, he's a big Raider fan, so that should be a fun, entertaining night. And, man, I'm looking for Waller to really uh, rebound. I don't know what to expect. I'm really hoping Eckler doesn't go off because he's going to be on my bench. Originally, I was going to play him, but now that Jalen Samuels, although now I might, I don't know. It's a huge mess. Oh, well. Have a good day. Uh, Enjoy your Thursday. Be safe. Enjoy Thursday night football. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. And Dino Dan, I will lead all the game uh, after recapping Thursday night football game. I will lead it with your team first. All right? Have a good day, guys. See you later.